Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. So excited to be here with you, Pastor Sam. It's a joy. It's a, <laughs> it's a true joy to be here with you. I, I, when they asked me to come and uh, have a conversation with you to learn a little bit more about you, and also the work that you've been um, given, I think, in this, uh, in this season. Uh, I said yes immediately, and it wasn't about like, when is it gonna be, or I'll just, I'm in, I, I'd oh, do it. So yeah, so thank, thank you so much for, for, for joining too. You know, one of the things I would love, and I'm sure other people would love to really understand too, is actually, how did, how, how did, it, all, how did it all start for you, with, not just with the migrant workers, but just, Back when you were a kid, like, how did you grow up? Tell us a little bit more about how you grew up. My, my dad is a, a migrant from Sri Lanka. And in the late 1960s, my dad was in Sri Lanka. He got into a gospel ship called Ebenezer. And the ship went to Medan. And he ministered in Medan. He did an open-air crusade. And many got saved. Many, many, uh, from that meeting, many pastors uh, committed their life, you know what I mean, to, to full-time ministry. And, um, and then the... He got back on the ship and was going back to Sri Lanka. And while passing the streets of Malacca, that ship called Ebenezer started to sink. Right? And, and the ship captain, his name is Urella. Uh, he told my dad, you know, to get on this small little dinghy or this small little boat and row to the nearest island. <laughs> and so my dad and a few others got on that small dinghy and they rowed the boat wow. and ended up in Singapore wow. in the late 60s. And uh, well, on the shores of Sambawang, he started to walk towards uh, a blue cross and it was a church and uh, cut the long story short eventually he became the first local pastor of the church oh, which was run by the Finnish Free Foreign Mission and um, wow. and and he and, and my father from the day he came to Singapore he started to reach out to the Tamil speaking guest workers who were in Sambuang shipyard the naval base area mm. and so he would go up to them speak to speak with them bring them over to the church for meals and then eventually when my dad married my mom and they got their own place yeah they would always bring their brothers over to the house and so oh. as i grew up i literally grew up with no less than five brothers in my house every day wow and and so our dinners would be with the brothers <laughs> so my mom would be cooking this big pot of curry and the brothers would come with with some of their pickles and we'll sit there and we'll start eating and they will share their joys they will share their sorrows yeah uh, their day at work, you know, and their aspirations. And I would be like that little boy sitting there listening to all these brothers sharing. And, and, and somehow this, this, uh, this culture that my father set at home, he dropped off on me. Mm. And, and eventually when I uh, became the, the senior pastor of the church, you know, this was something that was very close to my heart. Uh, and even till today, I would say that almost half the church are guest workers. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, and but going, you know, as a kid growing up with a lot of people in your house, yeah. I mean, five brothers, you're saying, right, or in, in your home, did you ever have any sense of unwelcome? Like when they were, there, I mean, it's like, hey, mom, dad, how about me? Like, who are all these people? Was there ever <laughs> any sense of that? Or it was all just, you know, we all had a grand town. I think being a pastor's kid, mm. you don't have a choice. Your house is always full of people. Whether it's church members visiting or whether it's, it's the brothers coming over to have the meals mm. and maybe sleep over. 
Yeah. And even there were times where my dad would say, hey, Sam, uh, this brother's going to share your bed with you. And so I would, I would just get into bed with one of the brothers and, yeah. and sleep beside him. And, and he would share with me his, his, his stories, his, mm. his uh, hometown, India, or you know, Sri Lanka. And, and also he would share with me his, his problems in the workplace. And so from a young age, I was exposed to the struggles they faced, yeah. the difficulties they encountered. And, and this was something that, that I, I believe um, you know, it, it moved me to, to serve the guest workers. Yeah. So in a sense, it's, it's, that's why they say, you know, empathy is often caught. You yes. know, it's, it's, it's being with and, and just learning from and, and discovering that someone is just a human being and a, and exactly. a friend um, a, and being able to be open, in, open to that, actually, for, and opening up through that. That's right. Then too. That's right. Wow. That's right. Wow. And, and, and in, that, in that time, were, were you ever, were you ever, uh, did you ever question God? I mean, did you, you mean, just as, as a kid, like, were you ever had those kind of questions? Like, <laughs> how did I, do I hear God? Is it God around? You know? For me, basically, my I believe that that everyone has their own journey with God. Yeah. And when you have that encounter with God, that is what keeps you grounded in faith. Yeah. Because it's a personal experience. You know, it's like like the story I always share that uh, there was once I I was in Manado, mm. Indonesia, and I was walking with this very senior uh, man in Manado, and he was bringing me to a mall, and uh, we smelled a sweet smell. And he said, Pastor, this is the best donuts in the world. And I said, how do you know? He said, my friend told me. And uh, I said, oh, really? And, and did you taste it? He said, no. How do you know it's the best donuts in the world? Oh, my friend. So I said, your, your judgment is based on what your friend has told you. Mm. So I brought this, this 70 years old, 70 plus years old man to the this donut shop. And we ordered a, a dozen donuts. We sat down together and we ate those donuts together. Yeah. And it was really good. And he himself said, wow, this is really the best. My friend was right. And so now I, I told him this. So now you can truly tell your friends that this is really the best donuts in the world. Yep. Because we tasted it. Mm. And I think that is, that is what I believe, that when you taste and see how good God is, that's what keeps you grounded in faith. And, and for me, it's, I've seen the hand of God um, and also the grace of God extended. You know, I... Um, I'm one who feels I'm the least qualified among all men. Mm. And, and it, I take it as a privilege to serve the Lord because, um, you know, of, of, of who I was before I even committed my life to God. You know, uh, at the young age of 13, yep. uh, I left the church. I, I got frustrated. I got angry with the church. Uh, I even got angry with the brothers mm -hmm. because they were probably the reason why I left the church. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, seeing... Uh, you know, many of the times we, we expect Christians to be perfect. Yeah. And growing up, that was me. I expected people to be perfect. The unreasonable, the unreasonable expectations. Exactly. Somehow there, yeah. and, and, and when I saw that everyone was messing up and, and in the same time, everyone was expecting me to be like an angel, mm. being a pastor's kid. Yeah, all the uh, pressures. That, that made me leave the faith, you know, and question God and, and even hate the brothers. And it was only later on till my mid-twenties that when I had an encounter with God in the church camp and and the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said what did he say he said Sam you know uh, I want you and and at that point of time I was doing my own business and I was uh, in my community considered successful mm. and 
and, and I remember saying to the Lord, telling the Lord, Lord, I would give, I would tithe, I would donate, I would bless the church, but I would not serve you. <laughs> I would not serve you. I saw my, my dad struggle. I saw my dad going through the hardships of ministry. I, I don't want to get myself entangled. I'm not called. Yeah. And the Lord told me this very clearly. He said, I don't want your money. I don't want anything. I just want you. Mm. Wow. And, and to me, that was wow. an encounter with God. And, and well, over seven days of battling with the Lord, uh, I, I left my, my full-time job and I came and served the Lord. Wow. And, um, and to me, that, now it's been 18 years. And looking back, you know, uh, I have no regrets because I know that it was from the Lord. Yeah. You know, the, the, the funny thing was this, you know, that uh, I can't speak Tamil. <laughs> I, I can't speak a word of Tamil. When, when, when I came into ministry, our church was a Tamil church. Got it. And I, I asked God, God, are you crazy? I, what am I doing in this church? I mean, I think I have to go to that church. I go to come to City Church and serve the Lord, you know. But, you know, but, 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 Lord, I don't belong to this church. And, and, and the Lord says, no, 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 no. You be where I put you and I will show you what I can do through you. Absolutely. And, and so, till today I know I'm, I'm a conduit. There's nothing to, 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 to be happy about because... I'm just a vessel that God is using. It's, it's not that because I'm more qualified or I'm better or I'm more educated or whatever. It's yes. because I think that the criteria is if you're willing. If you're willing, just be open right, yes. to, that, to that send me moment, right? That's right. <laughs> surrendered, yeah. surrendered. Surrender. And God shows up. Exactly. So, and, and you know, it, it, it's true too that, you know, God, God tends to show up more or maybe we just see him and cry out to him more in times of difficulty and um, you know I think the last couple months that we've um, been going through as a as a as a community as a as a country as a as a as a as a, as a, as a world that's right, that's right. <laughs> you know um, together with 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 COVID-19 um, this has kind of changed your life in a lot of ways too um, tell us a little bit about how that how that first started to happen with 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 this call now to our our migrant brothers and sisters the the whole thing started as my uh my best friend and my my brother reverend Ezekiel Tamu put it uh what happened uh uh accidentally mm. uh became you know uh an opportunity indeed and uh we we actually we're discussing what can we do for our brothers in the dormitories during this difficult time and uh, we decided like any good christian on good friday let's do something good yeah <laughs> right so on good friday uh, we decided to bless thirty thousand brothers with one meal that is for lunch no small feat yeah uh, okay to, to us it was uh beyond our capacity i mean just to think about thirty thousand meals wow i mean yeah you know but but the thing is, we felt that okay, we can do. I mean, with the, with the help of God, with the grace of God, we can do this. And so we we spoke to our partners, our friends, and we managed to raise the money for that. Amazing. But on the eve of Good Friday, I received a call from one of our partners saying mm. that one of the larger dormitories was supposed to go in, and became a become a COVID cluster. Wow. And this dorm had twenty thousand brothers, and so all of a sudden, from thirty thousand meals, we were left with ten thousand. So on Good Friday itself, we, we gave out 9,218 meals to the brothers there. And now we were accountable to our donors, yeah. accountable to 
all those who contributed uh, to finish off the 20,000 meals. <laughs> and so, so in, a way, in a way, I was looking at, okay, let's find as many dorms and let's finish these 20,000 meals in the next one, two days. That yeah. was the honest yeah. initial idea. Yep. Sure. And Just do the job. Exactly. Okay. It was then that, that uh, the circuit breaker kicked in. And the brothers were stuck in the dorm and, and then as we visited dorms which had needs, we found that, hey, uh, there were many brothers who they had no access to food, either because of the, the situations they were in, the sudden, um, uh, you know, the sudden changes that happened during CB that yeah. the employers were not able to provide for them, mm. maybe the financial difficulties they faced. And so we, we went, we started by, by providing food for 600 brothers. Okay. And eventually, within the first week, it went up to about four thousand. And and how were you how were you finding these these brothers? I mean, what were you doing so, that so so as we, as, as we started? I mean, it was it was uh, the the finding the thirty thousand was easy because we used our partners to get the people. But the the next day, the Saturday, most of them were actually preparing for Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And so they were very busy, so we couldn't call anyone. So I was accountable to finish. So I decided to go in my car and drive around. Okay, and, as one and, does. And so as I drove from dormitory to dormitory, finding for dorms, that's what I found. I asked them, hey, do you have food to eat? And they said, no, two days, no food, three days, no food. And uh, we don't have this, we need this. You're so, like the Samaritan walking by the, by, the, by the dorm road, basically. Exactly. Wow. And, 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 and the funny thing was this, you know, uh, the Bible, we, we see the story of how God prepared David for Goliath mm. by fighting with the lions and the bears. And for me, it's the very same story because way before COVID ever happened, the Lord made me drive from dorm to dorm to inquire on their needs, to help them, to speak to them, to befriend them. And, and so what I did during the COVID was nothing different from what I did before. Yeah. It was just a continuation. And, and to me, it's sometimes when people say, no, wow, you did this, but see, nothing special, but this is what everyone is doing, isn't it? Wow. And yeah. I mean, tell us a little bit about like the conditions of the, these, these dorms then and, so, and the situation that's sort of... So there are, there are a few kinds of dorms. Uh, there, there are 43 purpose-built dorms. These are big dorms, which houses about 3,000 to 20,000 brothers. Okay. And I, I, I call these the... The, the, the Ritz Carlton's of dorms because yeah. it's, it's all the facilities. You have basketball courts, you have uh, big canteens. It's, it's good. Movie but theater. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but then the second tier is the factory converted dorms. Yeah. And I didn't know, honestly, before the pandemic, how many factory converted dorms there were because there's nothing clearly stated. Okay. And uh, as I did my study, as I started to partner with MOM and... Uh, the other different agencies, we found that there were 1,200 factory converted dorms. Wow. And these were, were basically factories who made space at the back for, their, for guest workers to stay. Mm -hmm. And these were not the most ideal because it's just a, a made-up space. Okay. You know? And so the, the hygiene, the toilets you know, and, and facilities, it was all limited. And, and also because of, uh, I would say that lack of access to public, right? Uh, some of Just the conditions kind of clustered there exactly. and left to their own. Left to their own. Yeah. And so there was a dorm which I visited in, in Difu Lane. And they were locked into that dorm without food for three days. Oh, wow. And, and this was actually eye-opener mm. for me because there were brothers out there who, had, who can't leave the dorm and who couldn't get access. I mean, for us, if you are stuck at home, we can get, get grab food. Easy. Sure. But how, how can these brothers afford grab? They can't even afford 
a simple $2 meal. How can they afford grab food? Yeah. You know, and, and, and so that was where I felt that it's important just to, to, to meet as many brothers in that limited time that we had. And so to tell you the truth, I didn't, I mean, when we started, I didn't think about contacting COVID or anything. It's just meeting our brothers. And so mm. it, it started from one dorm to two dorms to three dorms to 100 to 200 to 300. And, yeah. and, and I mean, the, the, I share this story often that when we started, we didn't have a hotline number. The Alliance yep. of Guest Workers Outreach. Uh, the reason being because uh, the Alliance is an aggregator mm -hmm. of different organizations. Sure. So each of our partner has a hotline number. So there was no need for us to have. But when we started, we couldn't just give the hotline to one organization, but we had to have a shared hotline. And so when we had the dorms, we can't tell the brothers, wait, let me just call my guys and see which number <laughs> I can give. I have to give them a number immediately, right? So you're yeah. like the hotline, you're like exactly. the call so, center guy. So when I'm thinking, I said, you know, call this number. It's my mobile number. Yeah. And, and, and well, I mean, I didn't expect this, but from one, two, three, it became thousands. And on a daily basis, like for lunch and dinner, we would get a thousand over calls and WhatsApp and text messages. And, and, and I mean, so it was full-scale communication center exactly. in your pocket. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but because of that, I mean, this is something I learned because of that access that they had, trust was built. Mm. And because of trust, they feel comforted. Yeah. They feel that there's someone who yeah. cares for them. Yeah. And I think, uh, to me, the greatest joy is the relationship that has been built over the past three yeah. months. Yeah, no, indeed. And, and you know, you mentioned the Alliance of Guest Worker Organizations, this, this right. new, you know, this new phenomena <laughs> um, that's been you know, mobilizing the church actually, you know, to love our, our city, to love our, our brothers in the, in, right. in the, in the, in the dorms. Um, is this a, is this a one-off thing, do you think? I mean, do you think it just happened because of COVID and there were all these different needs and, you know, now everybody's kind of busy and getting back to, you know, <laughs> their own life and everything or, or what do you think is, what do you think's been the role of the church actually in, in this? And, and has your view of that actually changed? So for the Alliance of Guest Workers Outreach or AGWO in short, uh, it started when four pastors mm. uh, were sitting and having Te Tare in Little India. And we were, we were just discussing on the struggles that we face in our outreach to the guest workers. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and as we started just speaking to each other, we found there was so much of uh, answers that we had within the four. Mm. And so the struggles that I faced, someone had overcome. Mm. And the struggles that he faced, I had overcome. And just by exchanging ideas, so much was being done. Yep. And so we felt, hey, why don't we share this with uh, our fellow Indian churches? And, and so initially, we just wanted to be small. It's a handful of us. We thought that let's solve our church's problem is enough. Yeah, just band and together that's it, that's and it, that's help it. each other out. Yeah. And then we, as we talk and we converse with other pastors, all of a sudden we had many pastors who came on board because they, sat the, they shared the same common problems. Yeah. And so on 31st of May 2019, we had the formal signing of MOU where we had 70 partners and these were churches, hmm. uh, other religious organizations. We had uh, NGOs yeah. and also corporations who came together to sign an MOU. And eventually, over the next few months, we had 130 partners who came on board wow. to support this cause. And 
And so the th that's God's provision actually ahead exactly. of time, isn't it? Exactly. So yeah. we never expected. I mean, no one expected this pandemic to come out. And and so the the first event we did was uh, walking in your shoes. It was an exhibition to showcase the life of a guest worker. Mm. And then after that, a very important element of of our organization is this honor and appreciation. Yeah. And doing the bicentennial, the Lord challenged us: Who built Singapore? Yeah. That was the question that I was asked by the Lord. And I said, Lord, we Singaporeans build Singapore. Mm. And the Lord says, don't go back in history and look. And it was the Indians who came on, on ships, the Chinese who Absolutely. came on ships, yeah. the, 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 the different nations who came and built Singapore mm. inside out. Yep. And the Lord says, honor these nations yeah. in the nation. Our first builders and pioneers. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was where we, we decided to honor them. And, and, and honor is beyond salary. Mm -hmm. Right, because a worker is worthy of his wages, but honor and appreciation is beyond salary. So how can we honor them? And that was where we discussed and we, we actually held a banquet of appreciation in Fullerton Hotel. And, and the truth was that most of the, in fact, all the guest workers for the first time in their life entered into Fullerton and had a meal there. Mm. And, and to them, that was the, I think the most memorable moment of the life, according to them. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and we also invited uh, the Deputy Prime Minister to come and say thank you on behalf of Singapore to you for building Singapore. Wow, that's tremendous. And, and that was the second event. Then we, we followed up with a cricket tournament and then in the month of March we're supposed to have uh, an unsung heroines event for women to appreciate domestic helpers for mm. building Singapore. Absolutely. But then because of COVID it was pushed. And so we were actually clueless of what to do next because of COVID. And wow. that was where oh my goodness. this pandemic arose. You had, you had no idea what was in store. Exactly. Oh my goodness, yeah. And so when we approached the churches, they were the first to respond. You know, like in delivering of food. Uh, and then came Ramadan, yeah. which honestly speaking, we were clueless. I mean, we, we didn't think about Ramadan. And two days before Ramadan itself, we were asked by uh, the MOM, so what are your plans for Ramadan? So Ramadan, <laughs> when is that? It's two days from now. So what? Wow. By the grace of God, we reached out to a few caterers and we managed to, to get the Ramadan meal, the Sahur meals, which is yeah. uh, to be delivered before 4 a.m. in the morning. And, and, and the caterers said, hey, you know, we can prepare the meals, but we can't deliver the meals. And, and, that, and to me, that was a challenge because now, now who in their right mind will be awake at 2 a.m. in the morning to deliver food? Yeah, saying, I'm and ready. Yeah, and, 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 this, and this was not just 10 packets or 20 packets. It was basically almost, almost 5,000 packets of food. And how do you do this? In different areas, Tuas, uh, Sungai Gadok, you know, uh, uh, Budok. Mm. I mean, and, and how do you do this? And, and so I, I just reached out to the church. I yeah. reached out to a few pastors, a few friends, and, and we made a call. And, and immediately the church responded. And to me, that, that, is, that is what the church is all about. Yeah. You know? The church responded and we had uh, a lot of churches coming on board, uh, picking up the food from a kitchen in Sambawang and going to Tuas, going to Bedok, going wow. to Changi. I mean, just going all over Singapore, just dropping off the food at dorms at 2 a.m. in the morning. And, and, and these were, were, were strangers they never met before. Yeah. And today, I mean, the, the testimony is this, that most of the brothers in the dorms, I mean, there's Muslim brothers in the dorms, they, they testify and say they are so grateful to the Christian community for providing them the sahu meals. Mm. Because if they couldn't have the sahu meals, they can't fast. And if we were very religious about it, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> so this is, yeah. is going beyond the boundaries. I think yeah. these are seeds of love that are shown. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and, and to me, I'm grateful to the church 
you know, for all the support, all the care that has been shown, you know, and, and especially this church for all the, the care and the support that they've shown throughout this time. And that is the love of God just shown in very exactly. practical ways. If you're hungry, feed them. If you need someone to talk yes. to, I'm here. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Wow. And, and what, and I think to me what, what's been really striking actually too is that um, in some ways the church is, the church institutionally is sort of known for the provision of, of, of services through large organizations. But the church as the, as the body through just congregations kind of coming together through businesses that they own or um, just reaching out to their, to, their, to their neighbors actually then mobilizing right. this, uh, this, this effort too. I think the, I, I was just, I was reading, taking a look at the report and from the city and, it, and it's so interesting that, that some of the businesses, the testimonies that they, that they had actually too about how God had also prepared their hearts to, to say, you know, this is not a business deal doing, you know, providing food and things like that. That's this right. God is giving me the opportunity right. to be a blessing. And, and I am truly blessed in, 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 in giving and, and seeing the impact, Amen. you know, actually of that too. So there's been, I think, such, a, such, a, such an impactful um, experience That's right. um, around that. And one other part too has just been opening up, I think, people's eyes to the fact that actually they're migrants, but there's home. They're, they, right. they come from somewhere. That's right. You know, our brothers have mothers and fathers and family members, and, and they're somewhere else. And that's also been part of Singapore's right. call, too. That's right. You know, this, this concept of an, of an Antioch. Have, how are you sort of seeing these pieces come together? I mean, you know, there's, there's sort of God's big plan for, for Singapore and, and, you know, the, the nations and so forth. How are you seeing the different parts that you're kind of like, you know, uh, sure. uh, have exposure to connecting to that. I think whenever we think about missions, it's always about outside of the, of the shores of Singapore. Mm. And I think because of COVID and because of the, the lockdown within the country, we can't leave the country, right? So uh, God has opened our eyes to see the nations in the nation. Yeah. Wow. And I think that's the most beautiful part because uh, today we can do missions at our back at our, at our doorstep, you know, just at, at our backyard, and uh, I think this this is an unprecedented opportunity to for the church, uh, where we can reach out to the nations in Singapore. You know, uh, I love this quote by Raven Hill. It says, "The opportunity of the lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity," mm. and I believe that this this window of there is, a, there is a limited time. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And God is, is, is giving the church the opportunity to come and partner Him in reaching the nations. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've seen so many salvations. And, and the truth is, I've never preached even a single message in a dorm. <laughs> I never even preached a single message. And, and the funny thing is, all the guys in the dorms know that we are Christians. Mm. And why we are Christians? Because they know us by our love. Yeah. And, 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 and they're seeing the church go down and care for them, speak with them, provide for them. And they know that the church is there for them. And they are asking questions, hey, where are the rest? How come it's only the church that is here? Yeah. And they know it's because of the love of Christ that, that, Christ that, that endures to all things. Yeah. That, that we will walk that journey with you no matter what. So that whole, that commitment to being with you, the commitment to, to walking with you, the commitment to sort of seeing you as, as family in, in some ways too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we, we've, you know, talked about sort of conditions, you know, um, in the dorms actually before and, um, 
you know, but actually there are businesses that have actually been quite positive examples yes. actually of, of um, uh, I would even say loving. That's right. Um, uh, their employees, their 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 workers too, right? Um, can you just tell me a little bit about like th the businesses that you've seen that have actually just the Christian businesses that you've seen in particular that, that have actually just walked that talk? Wow, definitely. I mean, uh, COVID has brought the, the worst and the best in people, mm -hmm. and and one of the best examples of Christian love is is seen in one of the the, the groups called uh, TSL Group. Mm -hmm. And uh, till today, I mean, even, even with all the COVID uh, problems that is there, we see the brothers in Adom till today uh, calling the, the bosses mama and papa. Mm. And, and to me, that's strange. I mean, to me, I thought they were forced to say this, <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> so you're forced. Cruel and unusual yeah. punishment. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when I went and, and met them at the dormitory, this was just a couple of weeks ago, uh, when I went to meet them at the dormitory, uh, they were saying that uh, uh, they are so grateful for wonderful bosses, especially for Mama and Papa, who gave them the full salary and who provided them with all essentials. And, and, and they had no lack. Mm. They had no lack. And even for those whose family at home uh, were going through struggles, they were even giving up, giving them advance so that they could support the family. And to me, that was surprising because uh, normally during a, a pandemic or during this financial crunch, people would actually uh, hold deduct back. or hold back. Yeah. But here they're giving. And when I spoke to Mama and Papa, you know, yeah. the, the owners, they, they said that because I trust in God, you know, my, my economy is not based on what is happening. My economy is based on what God has in heaven. Wow. And I just give because they are my children. Mm. And to me, there was a, something that struck me. They are not workers. They are my children. Mm. And, and to me, this is a model organization because they treat everyone as their own. And, and I can see this, I mean, uh, for food, you know, they say that if my children can't eat this, they can't eat this. Yeah. And I think this is something that I believe is a model uh, uh, that any company, even, a, I mean, any Christian company can, can adopt, you know, being Christ-like. Yeah. These are not aliens. I mean, in fact, in the book of Leviticus, we are commanded to love the aliens just as we love locals. Yes, and, and I think this is something that God wants us to do. Uh, to set an example to to those who are out there that this is the way that Christians do business. Yeah. You know, it is not, yes, of course, it's for profit, but it's not to exploit people, yeah. but it's to love them and to eventually disciple them mm. and show them what it means to be a steward of God's resources. Yeah. So pursuing profit, but with, with purpose and with care yes. and with and with um, acknowledgement, actually, of exactly. all of the resources that God has given them exactly. in their in their businesses to, to steward, um, and and really, I mean, I, I I visited that group, and from what I can see, actually, that to me is the church of the future in a way. Amen. 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 <laughs> so um, yes. that that is that is that is that is amazing. Um, so I guess as you as you think about. Um, you know, the future and, and, you know, COVID eventually will end. And you talked about this kind of window of, of opportunity. Right. Um, what would you say would be your greatest hope and your greatest fear? Okay. To me, I think the greatest hope is that bridges will be built in this season. Mm. Bridges that, that, that reaches out to the nations here 
and say that we care for you. I think the, the Singapore story is that Singapore is a land for all. That is Singapore story. It doesn't matter where you come from, but this is your land. That, that you are appreciated, loved and welcome here. And I think that, that this opportunity that God is giving us is to show the nations that they are loved. And, and I think to me, the greatest hope is that in the coming days that guest workers can come into our homes and have Sunday lunch with us. Mm. <laughs> I mean, this, is, yeah. this, this will be ideal because they, they know they have a family now in Singapore. Yeah. They're not aliens. They, they are loved. They are received. Mm. And I think that this is one thing that the church can do. Yeah. I, I mean, we see that place love of refuge and welcome. Exactly. Mm. If we say we love our neighbor, then, then, then who is our neighbor? Yeah. Right? It's the people who are around us. And I think the home that God has given us is not our homes. It's his home that mm. we are to steward his resources with. Mm. And I think that's my greatest hope that, that out of this pandemic, that, that well, for a start, the church could open their homes or even open their churches for guest workers to come in and say, hey, you are part of this family. Yeah, absolutely. You know? that, that, is, that is what heaven looks like, isn't it? It's just uh, it's that, that beautiful place where, where everybody from everywhere, you that's know, right all different backgrounds, all different colors, all different shapes and sizes, yes. you know, all call each other, um, you know, brother and sister, and we have one, we have one father, right? Yeah. yeah. And what's, what's your greatest fear then? My greatest fear is that we'll miss that opportunity. Mm. Because as, as I mentioned earlier, opportunity has a time, is limited by time. And this is a time that God has given, I believe, the church to step up and according to Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2, to arise and shine, right? And if we don't arise and shine in this moment, in this very minute that God has given us, we will miss the opportunity to reach the nation. But I want to press you a little further on sure. that one too. Why would we miss it? What else are we focused on? Or what are we concerned about or fearful of that is going to make us miss <laughs> this? I mean, in your worst nightmare. I think that the, the problem with on both sides, the guest workers and us Singaporeans, is perceptions. Mm, okay. It's our perception. We have already preconceived perceptions that they are like this. You know, that, that if they come into our home, they'll mess up, they will rob us. They, if they come into our vicinity, our neighborhoods, they will cause a lot of trouble. Mm. But these are all preconceived. Mm. And, and for them, it's like Singaporeans don't welcome us, they don't care for us, they don't love us, uh, we are outcasts. And, and to make matters worse, I mean, if you look the some of the comments that are posted, I mean, this it, it makes them feel that way. And I think that, that the only way to tear down perceptions is when we are willing to cross the bridge yeah. and say, hey, I, I don't care what people think, but I, I care for you. I love you. You are my brother. You are my family. Mm. You know, my kid is your kid and your kid is my kid. And I will, I will, I will disciple you. I'll walk with you no matter what it takes. And I think uh, uh, that is what... Uh, my fear is that we will miss this opportunity because when they go back to work, when they go back to the norm normality of life, yeah. it's almost impossible to catch. Now that they have nothing much to do in the dorms, 24, 24 hours they're there. And, and the truth is they're looking for someone to relate with them, someone mm. to connect with them. And, and it, can be as, it can be school children, it can be maybe uh, husbands and wives or families connecting on Zoom or maybe even a WhatsApp call saying, hey, how are you? You know, Moroso, how are you? You know, uh, so and so. And, and just talking to them. This, this small action of saying, how are you? Yeah. Shows that they matter. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, before too, you would have pen pals, right? It's like you adopt exactly. somebody and they're in some country somewhere and you write yes. them a note and they write you a note. 
but it's sort of accelerating that and sort of imagining what exactly. that looks like now with the incredible aid of all kinds of technology that we have. <laughs> in, in, in fact, if you ask me, I think this, it's in line with, with whatever was prophesied over Singapore for these last two years, that these were years of discipleship, intentional discipleship. Wow. And if you see, discipleship is walking with someone one-to-one, -one, journeying mm -hmm. with them. Absolutely. Right? It, it's Through good and bad. Yes. I accept you. Yes. Because God accepts me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and this is what I tell the brothers who, who connect with us, that, that you know, we are here not to convert you. We're here to journey with you. Mm. And if you think there's something good in us, then receive it. Yeah. You know, well, I, the goodness of God, right, exactly. that brings people exactly. to repentance, to bring people to renew their mind to reset their mindsets, yeah. to let go of perhaps some of these perceptions. Perceptions, yeah. So I think, to, to me, I've heard so many stories in the past few months from the brothers themselves. Uh, I, I remember one of the brothers in Adobe in Tuas, he, he came to me, he held my hand, you know, and, and he said, forgive me. Mm. I said, why? What, 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 what did you do? Yeah. He said, no, I, I hated Singaporeans. I thought you all are proud. And I thought that you all are always treating us as we are less. Mm. But, sir, you are the first person to call me Aya or Sir. You know, and you are the first person to talk to me with respect. Mm. I never knew that a Singaporean cares for me. And I said that, no, you, you are a human being, I'm a human being. You cut our hands, same yeah. red color blood comes out. Yeah. Right? So, I believe that respect goes two ways. I, I, I honor you for building Singapore and I care for you. Yeah, culture of honor in that sense. And, and culture that, of the kingdom. And, and today that brother is, is my close. Every morning, I'm telling you that this is something every morning at about 8.30, he sends me a good morning message with hearts. <laughs> and, and at night, he sends me a good night message with flowers. And, and I mean, not even my wife does this, you know. I mean, this guy is, I mean, I, I know I have a brother for life. I know there's someone who's got my back. You know, I, I share I share with people jokingly that if I stood for elections in Tuvas, I think I'll become the MP there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and mean, it, and it just began with showing someone yeah. kindness and consideration and 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 honor. It, mm. It's I think the highlight for me throughout the whole entire pandemic was was the the freedom I had to go to the dorms and just spend that hours with them every morning, dorm to dorm. And, and just standing there at the gate and talking to them, to me, I learned a lot. I, I learned mm. about what it means to be grateful for what you have. Uh, I, I, I learned about how, what it means to, to, you know, to, to, to persevere in the midst of adversity. And I think they have taught me so many lessons which I, I, I would not have learned if I was at home. Yeah. You know, and, and, and these brothers, I mean, I'm telling you this, this these brothers, they are loving. They are caring. I mean, uh, there was once when I was walking towards the dorm, uh, delivering food. And on that morning, I had a gout attack. Okay. And so my, my, my entire right foot swelled up and I could hardly put my foot down. And, and well, I made my way to the dorm. I, I drove, I had to go to, I oh. drove to the dorm. And Thanks. I had a struggle now of getting out of my car and walking across the road to the dormitory. And so as I parked the car, I, opened my door, I carried my foot and I was just putting it down. I grabbed the two packets of meal beside me and I was walking to the dorms. The brother saw, saw me doing this and immediately they jumped over the gate. Oh. They ran towards <laughs> me, they snatched the packet of food. Another brother within a few seconds brought a chair. Oh. In the middle of the road, he oh put a God. chair for me. <laughs> and he said, sir, sit down. And within a few seconds, 
another brother brings a, a, a small pot of warm oil mm. and he takes off my shoe and he starts to massage my leg. Now these are strangers who I just met maybe a week, just wow. delivering food. No, no deep conversation, just only hi, how are you, bye, that's it. Now these guys were willing to come out of the dorms, risk everything yeah. just to, to serve me. Mm. And I think that is the love of God. Amen. To me, that's the story of the Samaritan. Amen, yeah. Right? That's right. I mean, regardless of who you are or, 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 or whether you are a stranger, just show love, unconditional love. And I think these brothers have taught me that lesson, which I will take to my grave. I mean, this is something that I can never forget for the rest of my life, how strangers can actually care for me. I mean, yeah. I know that, that many of my friends would see me and say, oh, poor thing, huh? we'll pray for you and they go off. But this guy said, didn't say, I'll pray for you. They were willing to go the extra mile and show me the love be, by removing be, my be, shoe. Be present and with you exactly. in your suffering. Yes, and, yeah. and even serve me at that suffering. I mean, what they had was that oil. Mm. You know, and, and, and the little knowledge of rubbing oil to suit the pain. I mean, it was more painful, but, but the thing is, <laughs> it was the love that was shown. I think Absolutely. that love helped me to understand, hey, these guys actually are loving. Absolutely. Yeah. Compassion. And if, if, if we as Singapore, if we as the church, I believe as we, the city church, can reach out to the people around us and, and regardless of who we are or where we come from, just say, I'm journeying with you, mm. right? I believe that that's where heaven evades earth. Amen. And that's where the glory of God just permeates the earth. You know, the, the essence of Christianity is a revelator of God. And I believe that everyone, whether a child, a youth, an adult, a senior, wherever we are, it can be maybe our own blocks, our HDB flats, our, 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 our MRT rights, our, you know, the, the coffee shops. Wherever we are, we can reveal the glory of God by looking out for those who are in need and saying, hey, I'm here with you. Yeah. Let, me, let me have a coffee with you. Let me just be with you. Yeah. You know, and, and right. I think that's the, the call of the church today. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I think I think we've caught that that glimpse of uh, glimpse of heaven and that glimpse of the kingdom um, today, and I think we've 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 experienced it um, with and through your your stories and sharing, and and may that just be the beginning uh, seeds actually for for so much more to come Amen. in Singapore too. Yeah. So thank you very much. Um, Pastor Sam, for just Thank being you. with us today. I would give you a hug, but we kind of got to do this <laughs> COVID air hug. Yeah. <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you for having yeah. me. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a joy uh, being with this great church and being with you. Thank you. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
and through you. Help us to see your goodness, Lord, and to respond in, in ways that renews our mind, that, that, that teaches us um, to let go of the pre preconceptions, the, the judgments, and, the, and even the biases and stereotypes, Lord, that just keep us from loving you and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Yes. We ask that you keep our, our brothers um, and sisters um, close to your heart. We ask that you send forth more laborers. Send us, Lord. Um, yes. Show us how we can be of practical help um, in, in, reaching, in reaching them now in this, this critical window of opportunity, yes. but also in, in reaching out to, to, to those in need around us, regardless of, of, of who they are and, and, and where they are, too. Just sensitize our hearts and, and break our hearts, Lord, yes, for, yes. for what breaks yours. Yes, yes, Strengthen us with your joy, Lord, and enable us to just walk forth with just the incredible joy that comes from giving and receiving who you are. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.